0: Hey everyone, my name is Monty and I'm a pastor here at Meadows Church. And I just wanna thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're watching from, wherever you're listening from, you are welcome. And we're just believing that God is going to do something supernatural in this message. So again, thank you and God bless you. Question, if I were to ask you, who from the Christmas story do you most identify with? What comes to mind? Like some of you, you might be thinking, "Well, Ralphie, I mean, I've always wanted that Red Rider BB gun." That's that's not the Christmas story I'm talking about. But in fact, what if I told you I never, I've never seen that movie ever? Like I've, se- I know you're looking at me like I'm sacrilegious. I've seen bits and pieces of it, but never all of it. I mean, I've seen the part where the kid sticks his tongue on the pole that's frozen. It doesn't every kid do that once in a while. I mean, I did that. anybody else? Okay, mainly just me. Okay, good. Okay, so a few of you. Um that's not the Christmas story I'm talking about. The Christmas story I'm talking about is what you might call a nativity scene. This story, the real story, the story of Jesus. Who do you most identify with? I know the picture will come up. I just believe it because God is good. There, there it is. So, um, is it Mary? Maybe some of the ladies, you resonate with Mother Mary. This incredible faith of this young woman, actually young girl. Scholars believe that Mary, when she was pregnant with Jesus, 14, 15 years old? Okay, I get anxious even saying that to you right now. I have a 15-year-old daughter, Ava. I already told God, don't be sending an angel talking to Ava. Don't be doing that. Ava, we've already actually had the talk. You can date. I'm cool with it. I've even laid out guys, three guys that you have at it. Right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I mean, you take your pick. I don't care. They're all good. So, um, I'm just kidding. She will never date. So, anyway... um, Do you resonate with Mary? Or how about Joseph? Maybe the guys. Joseph, kind of this guy behind the scenes that we don't know a lot about. We know that he exhibited faith himself when he was told that Mary was pregnant with the Holy Spirit. I mean, that takes faith to believe. So is it Joseph? Uh, Maybe you're kind of a a science person, like, like kind of this astute mind where you resonate with the wise men. And they follow the signs that lead to Jesus or maybe you resonate with, we can, put, we can leave the picture up, it's okay. Uh, maybe you resonate with, um, who else is it? Oh, the shepherd. There's a shepherd right there. Maybe you resonate with the shepherd because they experienced, or they, they uh, displayed such joy when they found out about the good news of Jesus. And there's somebody here, you're probably saying, well, I identify most with baby Jesus. Okay. Of course you do, right? Of course you do. How about I wonder if I asked your your spouse if if they think they identify you with Jesus, what they would say, right? Guys, I'll pick on us, but I think if our wives check this out, they might they might say, you know, you don't necessarily identify with Jesus, but maybe maybe the one, the, what'd you say? The, yeah, yeah, the jackass, right? That's what, yeah. I can't believe he just, I didn't swear. I just went King James on you. That's all. That's all I did. So, And plus, you went there first. So, um, yeah. Yeah, Sorry, guys. We can be that once in a while, can't we? Who do you resonate with most? Here's who I bet you didn't think about. The bad guy. He's not in this picture, but I bet bet you didn't think about. You know who I resonate with most? King Herod. That's who we're going to look at today for a little bit. King Herod. Here's what I believe, and I even have a little... Oh my gosh, his hair fell off. But anyway, so I even have a little King Herod right here. He kind of looks like Han Solo, but trust me, it's King Herod. So th- here's what I believe. Everybody here, including me, I believe we each have a little King Herod in all of us. See, that's what I think. And I'm going to show you why I think that. See, Herod, before I even get into his story a little bit, let me just, let, let's, let's back up for a second. Let me tell you who this message is for today. This message is for anyone, you've maybe drifted from your faith. Like, you you might have just drifted from the church. You might have drifted from God. Maybe you've drifted from Christmas altogether. Like, Christmas at one time used to be kind of this magical, celebratory time, but now it's just kind of another holiday, and it comes and it goes. This message is for for anybody who maybe you've experienced pain or hurt through the church or through somebody else maybe associated with that. That's who this message is for. See, here you are in church, despite all the, that pain. Here you are watching or listening online. God has a word today, and I want to encourage you. My biggest prayer this week as I prepared the message, I'm praying that you will re-engage your level of faith, maybe to where it once was. That you will re-engage and take a step. It might just be a little small step. It might just be, you know what, coming back next week or, or, or praying a little bit during the week. I don't know what it will be. I may not even know you personally, but here's what I know about you. There is at least a flicker. There's a flame. Like there's an ember that, that is in you. I believe it with all my heart. Something that says there's got to be more. Something that says I really, I really ought to do this. Or something that says there's something missing. There is, there is this, it might be dim, but there is that light. And the reason I know that light is in you is because you were created in the image of the light bearer. You were created in the image of the light of the world, of Jesus. That's who this message is for. Back to Herod and why I believe that there's a little King Herod in all of us. Let me tell you a little bit about his story. Can they see that online? I want to zoom in on that guy. Can you? Again, you think it's Han Solo, but it's Herod. So, um, Herod was the king of the Jews. That's who he was. He was the king of Judea at the time. But understand this, the Jews would have hated Herod. He wasn't even Jewish, but he's the king of the Jews. But Herod was ambitious, smart, talented, um, engineer, builder. I mean, Herod is the guy that would have renovated, he, well, he helped, helped renovate the temple of God. He would have built, helped build the aqueduct system in Jerusalem. Would have built buildings, magnificent buildings in Jerusalem. He was, he was ambitious. He was focused. But you know what he was focused on? His kingdom. His glory. His legacy. His family. See, I think there's a little King Herod, if we're honest in all of us. So when Jesus comes on the scene as that little baby in a manger, Herod would have been like 70 years old at the time. So he's, he's getting to be an old man. Uh, Scholars believe he was sick, had a a kidney ailment at the time. So he's sick, and he hears the news. A king is among us. Say, "A a king is among us. Yes, a king is among us. But it wasn't you, Herod. It's a different king. It's a king that's just five miles away. Five miles south, Herod, of where you are. A king that is just learning to walk. I want to take you on a journey. Last week, we we looked at John and how he wrote about the story of Jesus. I want to take you to Matthew chapter 2, the very first verse. If you brought a Bible, an app, I'd love for you to go there. I'll put it up on the screen as well. Matthew 2, this story where Herod is in, is, is amazing to me. The first verse, listen to how it starts out. uh, Matthew doesn't mince words. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the reign of who? King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands, you know them as the Magi or the, the, the wise men, arrived in Jerusalem, and they're asking, hey, where's the newborn king of the Jews? And I'm sure everybody's like, shh. Herod's right over there. What are, you, what are you talking about? But they're like, hey, we saw a star. We saw it rise. We've come to worship him. Verse 3, this should not surprise you. King Herod was disturbed deeply when he heard this, as was others in Jerusalem. Do you know why? Because when King Herod is disturbed, everybody's disturbed. Because when King Herod gets upset, people tend to die. Okay? people tend to get hurt. They go missing. So Herod is disturbed. He calls a meeting of the leaders and the priests, the Jewish people, the the, the teachers of religious law. And he says, hey, where's where's this, this, this Messiah supposed to be born? Him even asking that question would have just appalled the Jews. They would have been appalled. You're our king of the Jews and you don't even know where the Messiah supposed to be born, every Jewish person would know this. Everyone would know this. There's prophecy from 700 years ago that they're going to quote from a prophet named Micah. Herod, you, they, they, were so, they would have been so disgusted by that question. But they answer it because he's got the power to take them out. So they say, in, Ju- in Bethlehem in Judea, for this is what the prophet Micah wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah. By the way, it, it is insane to think micah wrote this 700 years before it even happened this is amazing he writes, and it's 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 true he says bethlehem you're not the least among the ruling cities of judah Mm -mm -mm. for a ruler will come from you and he'll be the shepherd for all my people of course talking about king jesus well herod he calls for a private meeting after hearing that news. And he said, he gets the wise men with him. And he, and he learned from them, hey, when did that star, when did that light, say light, light, when did that light in the sky first appear? When did you start following that? Because he's trying to set up a timeline. So they told him, and he's learning the timeline. And he says, All right, all right, guys, go to Bethlehem, search for that kid, search for that child. And when you find him, tell me so I can go. And worship him too. Lie. You're lying. And he is. King Herod is about, he don't worship anybody but King Herod. Okay? He's all about himself. But I I, I would contend there's a little King Herod. Even in all of us. The scripture continues, Matthew's writing. After the interview, the wise men went there. They went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them where? To the little town of Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread. Jesus once said, I am the bread. I am the bread of life. It's starting to make sense, isn't it? He went ahead of them, or it went ahead of them, the star. And it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with what? Joy. They were overjoyed. We'll come back to that. They entered the house. Okay, and this is where I'll debunk all your nativity scenes, even the one that we had up earlier. Okay, the wise men wouldn't have been part of the nativity scene. I'm sorry. I'll, I have to crush you every year and tell you this. But it's just true. They, they, they weren't there when Jesus was born in the manger. They were there months, maybe even two years later, is when they finally arrived. Notice it says in the scripture I'm reading to you, they didn't enter into the cave or where the manger was. No, no, no. They entered into a house. They didn't see the baby, little baby Jesus. They saw a little toddler Jesus. <laughs> That's weird. The toddler Jesus. Did Jesus go through the terrible twos? I mean, he's Jesus. He never sinned. I don't, I have questions. Okay? Or maybe for Jesus, it was the terrific twos. I don't know. I'm just, just throwing that out there. So um, so they they go into the house not the cave, they saw the child, not the baby, with mom Mary. And they bowed down, and they worshipped. A toddler king, they worship. It, some, even as I say the word worship, you might be thinking, oh gosh, so they, they broke out, and they, they, were, they were praising Jesus, they were singing songs. I doubt it. See, I doubt they were doing that. Maybe, maybe. But, but, but we tend to think, and I've been guilty of this, we tend to think worship is song. Sometimes people will come in, they're running in late. Not you guys. You guys are never late for church. Other people. And they'll come in, and they're like, did I miss the worship? Did I miss the worship? I'm like, dude, worship was just getting started. You might have missed the music, but worship is happening all the time here. Right? We're worshiping right now as we hear the Word of God. But if it was just singing, I mean, honestly, some of us, some of us if it was just singing, we'd never be able to worship, at least not well. Let me be honest. Well, I don't know. I've been told I'm a good singer. Okay, by your mother, Okay. Because she also told you you were her favorite, but she told your sister the same thing. So, I mean, I just hate to burst your bubble. But you're not a good singer, and, and I am on the other. Just kidding. So, in the shower by myself. So, <laughs> that doesn't sound right. She also told you, you <laughs> worship, getting off track here. Worship is a response. It's not just singing. It's not just when we raise our hands. That, those are forms of worship. But worship is anytime time you respond to the greatness of God. It's any response to God. It's honoring God. Not for what you can get, but for how he gave. This is what it means to worship God. Honoring the king who's among us. It's not about us. It was all about Herod. But but worship is not about us. It's all about God. That's why sometimes we get mixed up. And, And why I think there's a little, tiny King Herod in all of us is because a lot of times we think, gosh, it be- like if I'm going to go to church, I mean, I'll go and I'll worship, but it better speak to me. Like they better play my favorite song. They better have those donuts, right? By the way, we haven't had donuts for months because of the season that we're in, it's so wrong. I'm telling you, I'm, this is my commitment from me to you. When we can have food here, the next time we can have food here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring in so many Krispy Kremes. You're going to you're gonna roll out of here, okay? I'm just, that's how much I love you. I mean, yes, that just, I mean, I, I'm that I'm good to you. So, true worship, I wrote this down. True worship isn't about what you can get. Yeah, I want worship. I mean, we have it so backwards. It's not about what you get. It's about what we can give. That's what worship is. I'll show you. Remember when it said that where we left off, it said the wise men, they bowed down and worshiped. Do you know the very th- next thing they did? I'll read it. They opened their treasure chests, and they gave. See, you can't worship without giving. It is impossible. And I'm not just talking money, getting all tense about money. I, no. They gave the best of the best, the most valuable things they had, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And you might think, well, what would that do for baby Jesus? Really nothing. But but, but they were giving their best. It was their best. It was what was valuable to them. Boy, that was worship. I wrote, they not only gave their best, but they did it, as as they did it, they were filled with joy. So this joyful worship, this joyful giving, and it's so amazing, these wise men, they had nothing to gain. But yet they travel like a thousand miles. They're not even Jewish. A thousand miles. Many believe that they, they would have traveled from Persia. That's like modern day Iran to Bethlehem for months and months and months on a camel's and caravan, very dangerous, very deadly thieves and robbers many times would, would, would go after people traveling, especially rich people like them. I think to myself, why would, why would they do it? They, have, they, have, they, have, they had a lot of nice stuff. What, what can they get? What can they gain? Nothing. They weren't there to gain anything. They were there to give everything. It's so incredible. (laughs) Why would you do that, wise men? If we asked them why, we'd only have to read verse two to know. We've already read it once. I'll read it again. Wise men, why did you go? Why did you travel all that way? Well, we saw stars that rose. And as we saw it, we have come to worship. That's all we came to do. We came to worship. We came to give. We came to worship. We came to give. We came to worship. We came to give. There's, there's three responses. If you didn't catch them in, in what we've read here together out of the book of Matthew, I'll break them down for you. Three responses that you and I can respond to Christmas. That you, you and I can respond to the king. The Jewish leaders, you know what their response was? They ignored the king. They ignored the king. And we could do that. We, we could ignore the king. In fact, I'll show you that most people do. And I'm not trying to judge anybody. I've been guilty of this most of my life. Doesn't mean we don't believe in the king. It doesn't mean we don't say that we love the king. But, but it's just not center stage. That's why there's a little King Herod in all of us. The Jewish leaders, this is what blows me away. They've been waiting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years for the Messiah. He's five miles from where they are. They know the prophecy. They know what the wise men are saying. And they don't go and check it out. They ignore it. Okay, to put it in context, like, I don't know where you're watching or listening from online. Like, physically here, we're in the Omaha area. That is like, that is like Jesus being born, like, in Council Bluffs. Okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. Jesus would never be born in Council Bluffs. But if he, okay, they need Jesus in Council Bluffs. But we need him here, too. So, sorry. No, I made somebody mad. But anyway, so, um, but that's like Jesus being born in Council Bluffs, and we don't even cross the river. Uh mm -hmm. They they totally, so they're ignoring the king. Herod was much more bold about what his his position was with the king, and there are some like that, many like that, where they oppose the king. Herod opposed the king. He believed in the king, definitely believed in the king, but, but it ticked Herod off because it wasn't about the king's kingdom, it was about Herod's kingdom. So he opposed the king, and there are some that are like this. They oppose Christmas. They oppose the light. They oppose the king. want The Bible says that many will be in darkness because they choose to be in darkness. They want to live that way. You know, I can relate to that in my addiction. I, I was okay in my addiction for a while. Like, okay, I'm good with this. They oppose the king. Herod missed it. it it's, it's crazy to think that the, the main character of our story today, that little tiny Herod in all of us, he, he, he totally misses it. He wants to be the center of the story. And by the way, Herod would die of his disease, and what's crazy is Herod, I wonder if somebody would have, was like, if we could be at Herod, Herod's deathbed and tell him, Herod, your, your wish is really coming true. You're, you made the story. Like, you made it into the word of God. Like, they're going to tell your story, Herod, but here's the issue. You're not the main character, Herod. Like, like you're, you're, you're the, the story they're telling about you isn't the story you want them to tell about you. You're you're not you're not like the A actor, you're like the B actor. You're like background. You're Harry, you're like like Jody and I were on the set of Spider-Man, right, Jody? Remember that? Yeah, you probably didn't know that. Jody and I were on the set of the first Spider-Man movie, the one with Tobey Maguire, you know, that one? Yeah, we were on that set for what? 12 hours? Felt like 12 days. Uh it, we knew it was a bad sign when they brought a busload of people there and there was like uh, barbed wire around the fence. I thought, are we going to a set or to prison? So, um so anyway, we were B, B-roll characters in the story. I won't get into the whole details because that will take a lot of time. But uh, the problem was they filmed four scenes for 12 hours, and they film them over and over and over, and we're kind of in the background doing all kinds of stuff and uh, to try to get noticed, at least I was. And uh, they'll film them over and over, and... I will, after two hours you 're like dead tired and you know ready to you know repent your sins to Jesus and uh, tell him to take you away and uh, but i couldn 't i couldn 't miss a scene i couldn 't go to the bathroom because I knew I knew that the moment I miss a scene that 'll be the one they put in the movie and i, w- I couldn 't allow that so I was in every scene and what you 're thinking is well, were you in the movie? We went to that movie in the theater, and of course you can 't pause it and rewind it in the theater so I had, we bought the movie and I watched that movie three four hundred times and uh it was, uh, I mean, I was convinced. And I'm like, I think that's my balloon. And Jody's like, uh, a lot of people had balloons in that scene. And I said, no, 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 I think that's my arm. And I would just be adamant that I'd find myself. And finally, Jody's like, yeah, sweetie, that's your arm. Okay, you're fine. Yeah, you made the movie. So whatever. So I was happy then. But uh, I am in that movie. So anyway, but Herod, Herod is the arm. Herod is the prop. Yeah, Herod, you made the movie. You, you made this, but you're a footnote. You know, you're you're you're, you're, you're a bee character in the in the story Herod Herod was so convinced he was so convinced that Jesus this newborn king wanted his throne okay Jesus didn't want Herod's throne he wanted his heart Jesus did not want to be the king of Herod's territory. He wanted to be the king of Herod's life. This is why Jesus would say to him and to you and to me, you cling to your life and you will lose it. But if you give your life up for me and the sake of the good news, you will find life. You will find hope. You will find joy. You will find purpose. That's what he says. Why there's a little Herod in all of us? Because if we're honest, we cling to what we want. We cling to our life and our will. I'm guilty of it too. I am. Herod totally misses it. You know who didn't miss it? You probably figured it out. The wise men. They didn't ignore the king. They didn't oppose the king. They worshiped the king. And this is the camp that if I could ask something of God to do in this place today, God, would you get us in this camp? Well, we're in the camp where we would worship the king not because of what we can get, but because of how you've given to us in so many ways that we could give our first and our best back to you, God. They worship, I wrote down, they followed the light that led them to the light of the world. They follow a light in the sky and that light leads them to the light of the world. They worship and they give their best. And here's what people miss. See, do you think God loves when you worship him? You better believe it. Do you think God is pleased that that you're in the house today, the house of the Lord You better believe it. He is, and he blesses it. And I'm not afraid to tell you that. I want you to know that. He blessed the wise men. He loved their gifts. He loved that they lavished their best. Listen to the scripture. Listen to the, uh, I think it's the verse 12. Um, When it was time to leave for the wise men to go back to where they came from, Persia, they returned to their own country by another route. Why? Because God showed up. Because God blessed them. Because God protected them. Because God spoke to them. And God warned them in a dream, don't return to Herod. That's not a good route. That's a bad plan. Because he's a bad man. So God protects. God guides. God leads. And how are the wise men remembered? For the way they worship. For their obedience. For their, for their joy. For their giving. It's so amazing. True worship it leads to joy. True worship leads to joy. This is why I believe, like, the local church should be so full of joy. Like, like, I, okay, Disney, I get. Disney is supposedly the happiest place on the earth, right? That's kind of their motto. And by the way, have you been to Disney? I mean, I, I'm just going to be honest. I've seen a lot of unhappy people there. Been there a couple times, okay? I've seen a lot of kids screaming and bawling, okay? They didn't look like they were. I mean, I've seen a lot of parents screaming and bawling. But anyway, so, but, but Disney, if you want to be, have that, that, that moniker that you're the happiest place on earth, fine, you can have it. But the church, I believe the church should be the most joyful place on the planet. We've literally got the best news in the world. A king is not only among us, we've got a king who's living in us. This is good news. This is incredible news. True worship, it leads to joy. And joy-filled living equals joy-filled giving. Joy-filled living equals joy-filled giving. And again, when I say give, if you immediately go to money, sure, that's part of it. I'm talking about way more than that. You're giving today as you're here today. And you take time to say, I'm going to go and see what God has in store. This is worship. This is giving. So, so my question is, what's, what's our story going to be? Okay, what's, what's your story going to be? In relationship, in relationship to this toddler king, what will your story be? Will you, will you ignore the king? I'll camp here for a second because this is most people. Certainly in our country, most people will ignore the king. Now, doesn't mean you're you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that you are mad at God. It just means that there's a little King Herod in all of us. And King Herod was all about who? King Herod. It's about his family, his legacy, his finances, his 401k, his vacations. It was all about him. One of the things that's hurt the church, I wasn't even, gonna, I, I, I wasn't going to say this, but obviously yeah, I am now. So one of the things that's hurt the church over the last 50 years is consumerism. It's, it's we've taught, we, and I mean me as the leader, not, not you, I mean me. We've made mistakes of teaching that, oh, come, come and let us feed you and let us pour into you and then, and then that's it you leave church is done and then you go live your life and you focus on your vacations and you focus on your family and your 401k and all that such a mistake such it's, it's so wrong in so many levels and now the church is at a crossroads because of the teachings I think that we've we've done you look at the church in Acts it wasn't like that at all they did life together they were the church I mean church church didn't start when they walked in the building you know when church started when they left See, when you leave here, church begins. That's what I believe. But but we've convinced ourselves that we somehow, we love Jesus with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, the first and greatest commandment, but yet 99% of the week we're focused on us and our family and what, what we're doing. And I'm not guilting anybody. I'm guilty of this. Me. Ignoring the king. Oh, you're first in my life, Jesus, but I don't really think much about you during the week or do anything really for others, and my life looks pretty much like anybody in the world. I just feel so convicted in my life. I, I have so again, I'm not trying to guilt you. I just I don't know. Will you ignore him? Will you oppose him? Some oppose. They're blatantly saying, ah, I'm not on board. I don't believe. Or if I do believe, I really don't want it in my life, I really don't care at least you know where you stand. Jesus, I think, honors that more than ignoring. I really do. Read Revelation. Lukewarm, I spit you out of my mouth. He says be hot or cold. But Jesus, if they're cold, that means they don't believe in you. Jesus says at least they, at least they know it. At least they're not being deceived by the devil and, and, they're, and they're thinking otherwise. Man. Or will you worship him? Will you let his life give you light and life? See, the decision we make about how we worship or don't worship the king, it'll determine the story that people tell about you and about me. Today I'm telling you a story about Herod. Herod doesn't like the story I'm telling you. Herod was about Herod. That's why there's a little Herod in me. That's not the story he wanted you to tell. What story will they tell about you? I'll never forget you know, that day I was in a dark room, literally, physically in a dark room in my addiction. And I thought, here's the story they're going to tell. And I knew it. Because I was so deep into addiction, in my head, there was zero way out. Like, none. You know, like, none. And I remember sitting there in a dark room thinking, this is how I'm going to die. Literally, with all my, I believed it with all my heart. This is how I'm going to die. It, there was no way out. So dark. And I think about, okay if that's how it went down, what story does my wife Jody tell about me? Well, you know, gosh, he was was okay. He had a lot of promise. He had a lot of potential. But he just couldn't get over the hump. He just sacrificed himself to self. And ultimately, that led to addiction. Because addiction, like a lot of sin, the the root is selfishness if you didn't know. I found that out. Because there's a little Herod in all of us. What story would my kids tell? Oh, I had a dad and he wasn't really, I mean, he wasn't a horrible dad, but he wasn't present. He seemed to focus a lot more on other things and uh, he was at other places. He wasn't really invested in us. He seemed to be more preoccupied with things that would make him happy or fulfill his needs in the moment, instant gratification. Well, that's the story they would tell. I'm grateful I stand here today before you and that's not the story and that's not how it ended. I truly thought it would. And the only reason it didn't end that way is because of Jesus Christ. It's the only way. I was dead. And what I'm finding out with, with the Lord, people don't remember how you start. They remember how you finish. That's what they remember. You're at a place right now in life where you get to choose how you finish. That's what excites me. That's why I'm so Excited about the message in today because we get to choose. Herod, it's crazy because Herod was so caught up in his legacy, his family, and self. You know who the, who the most miserable character in our story is? It's Herod. He's the most miserable character in the story. Shouldn't surprise us, he was the most self-centered character in the story. Eighty years after after Jesus was born, 80 years later, everything Herod stood for was gone. His kingdom, gone. His aqueduct system, gone. His buildings, gone. The temple renovation, gone. It's gone. He put everything into it. That's all that mattered to him. And it's gone. Gain the whole world, Herod, and lose everything. 80 years later, it's over. Remember, 80 years after Jesus was born, you know what else happened? I I shared with you last week. John would start to write his gospel. You know, the the disciple, John. Remember, if you were with us last week, I I shared how how he described Jesus. He wrote, In Jesus, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. It's so funny because we were doing the online message at 6 p.m. last week. I, I put that scripture in there, and there's a person watching, and, and he types in there, because it says, in him was, was, was life. And the guy writes, well, in him is life. Kind of like he was correcting me. And I thought, you're a jerk. I'm just kidding. I didn't think that. But he, what he was saying was, it's not Jesus was life. He is life. And he was right. So I read that scripture. I'm like, in him was life in him was light. That's past tense. But G, But but John quickly takes it from past tense to present tense. Almost like he's got a message for you and a message for me. Look what he says. The very next verse. The light shines. Present tense shines. In the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Boy, Despite your situation. Despite your, your despair, despite your fear, despite your depression, all your disappointments, all your unanswered prayers, all your regret, and yet light, darkness has not overcome you. Why? Because there is a flicker. There is a flame. There is a light. It's His light, and it shines not back then, but it shines today. His light shines now. His light shines bright. And His light, church, will shine forever. And that light, it's the light He has for you today. I want that light. Will you re-engage today with the faith maybe you once had? Would you take a step? Today, true worship leads to joy. Joy Joy-filled living, that equals joy-filled giving. And even as I say, would you take a step and re-engage in worship? Here's what I think some might be thinking, because I've thought this myself. I'll just worship God, give to God. And I thought, I have nothing to give. Like, what am I going to give? I have nothing. Like, I am... I am having thoughts right now of like that are not godly. And I'm having, I, I, I've been places, I've done things, I've hurt people. And you want me to worship? And I would say to you, yes. You are worthy to worship the king. You are worthy to worship the king. I've said it before. Don't let what's wrong with you stop you from worshiping what is right with our God. We don't worship God because we're good. We worship God because He is good. A king among us. A king who wants to work in us. A king who literally died for us. The king of the world. The light of the world. Jesus, would you take that little King Herod out of us? Put you More of you in us. Love. Remember how John would describe God? Love loves to give. Love loves to give. Love loves to give. This is how I know. Every time I say that, I think about my grade school uh, crushes. And that's how I know they weren't real love. Because I didn't love to give. Like when when Valentine's Day came around, I would dump my girlfriend, you know, because I didn't want to buy her a gift. I didn't want to give. And then after Valentine's Day, I'd try to go out with her again. And that didn't work so well. But anyway, so love true love loves to give and didn't God give the great gift giver for God so loved the world that he the gospel of Jesus Christ says that the baby, the toddler grew up to become a man fully man and fully God it's weird, hard to wrap my head around it but it's true Why did the wise men come? To worship. Why did Jesus come? For you. And you. And you. That is why he came. A king, a toddler king, came to grow up and live a perfect life only to die so that you might have an opportunity to live with him forever. In the glory of God, the gospel, it's so simple, but yet so difficult, it seems. Don't overcomplicate it. We are saved by God's grace through our faith when we believe in Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. We are saved forever when we believe in Jesus. He is the sinless, spotless son of God. Never did anything wrong. Never cheated on a test. Never never was using bad language. Was just never never did anything to hurt anybody. Yet they they nailed him to a cross. Why? Because of you and me. He loves us. He did it out of love. Love loves to give. So Jesus gives his life for you and I. What is, our, what is our right response? Worship. The number one way you can worship, surrender everything to Jesus. That is the greatest act of worship you could ever give him. Sell out to the King of King and Lord of Lords. I wrote down, some of you, you might have little faith, but when your little faith intersects with God's great faithfulness, everything changes. Everything changes. What can you give the Lord today in worship? Give him you. Surrender your life online. Type, I choose Jesus in the comments. Because you want to surrender everything to Jesus. That little hair that's in us, we don't want him in us. We want the Lord all over us. This is your next step. Here in the room, same thing. The cards, fill them out, complete them, tell us what the Lord is doing in your life. Some of you, I'll, I'll be straight up, your next step to give God worship is baptism. It, the, you want, that is a great act of worship. Jesus said, I was baptized, you do the same. Write baptism in the comments. I don't know, I don't know what it is. You don't need to know. You just need to know that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you've never been baptized, that is your next step of worship. And for some, it is tangible For some, like the wise men, it is giving. It is giving back to God through the church. It is giving uh, supernaturally to the mobile food pantry. It is maybe giving to somebody that you see today at Target or Walmart or wherever you go. Just giving. Love loves to give. The word of God, it's so good. I hope you're hearing that the Lord loves you. I hope you're hearing that the only option for you, at least what he wants, worship him. And when you do, the Lord will bless you, just like he blessed the wise men, just like he's blessed me in so many ways in my life, and he's blessed you probably so many ways in your life. What's your next step? Remember who the message was for? Anybody that needs to re-engage with a level of faith. If that's you, I believe the Holy Spirit will tell you what you what what he wants you to do. He's that good, he's that loving. Let me pray for you. Father, boy. I thank you for Matthew recording what he recorded. For him to unpack the story, God, to teach us what worship looks like, to show us through the Christmas story of the wise men of Herod, and others, we can learn what it means to truly live for you. That's what we're supposed to do. We're a purpose-driven church. We say we exist to lead people to Christ and their God-given purpose. Our number one purpose is to give you glory. That's our number one purpose in life, is to, is to worship and glorify the King who is among us. God, that we, we can do that many, many different ways the number one way is complete and surrender. And there are people here, God, they are, they are battling. They are battling family issues. They are battling emotional illness. They are battling people that they know that are sick physically, mentally. They are battling financial struggle, and they're feeling overwhelmed. God, if there was ever a time in all the battling, and all the strife, and all the worry, that we would lay it at the foot of the cross and say, I cannot do it. And you look down and say, no, you can't. But my son already has. Sell out to him and watch what he does in your life. I promise you will not regret it. And I promise that if you do, I'm telling you. The best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, amen. Thanks so much for watching today, but don't stop there. We wanna invite you to be part of our Meadows family. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to our Meadows YouTube channel. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. And not only that, share this message with a friend. I encourage you. So many people are looking for hope and encouragement and you and I have the ability to bring it to them. So again, thanks for watching and God bless you.